Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We, we thank you, Lord, that though we did not deserve anything from you except our, our just judgment for our sin, Lord, that you graciously and, and abundantly provided eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we thank you. And we thank you that we are here this morning and that we are your worshipers this morning, not because of what we have done, but about what you have done, because of your faithfulness, Lord. And Father, we thank you that our hope Lord, is in your faithfulness that you, in the same way that you have provided that salvation already through Jesus Christ, we await for the consummation, Lord, of all your promises in Christ at his return. And so we thank you that that is our hope. We thank you, Lord, that 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 that, that, that hope is, is described and promised in your scriptures so that we uh, can, can, can hold on to that, Lord, and, and, and find our hope there. Father, we pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be edified as we study these things this morning and over the next couple months. We pray this would be all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. How deep? This morning, actually, we're just going to play around in the shallow end a little bit. And so, um, there we go. So, but before we before we, uh, we 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 start talking our new subject, you know what we've been been doing is we've been for for actually since January we've been looking at the doctrine of the church. the The theological name for that is ecclesiology. So, if you hear someone talk about ecclesiology, it's basically someone sounding fancy to mean the doctrine of the church. So you could just say, you mean the doctrine of the church? And that, that's basically what they're saying. So the ecclesia is the church. So ecclesiology is the doctrine of the church. Um, we, and we, last week we finished by applying some biblical principles to disagreements amongst Christians considering church structure and government and, and some of those issues. And we kind of, we, we ran right up to the bell last week. So and I, is there any, any final Questions, comments, things they want to bring up on that before we, we move on to a brand new topic? So we can listen to you. Uh, theoretically, you will be able to. I've been having problems uploading from the iPhone to the... It, basically, the Wi-Fi is connected, but for some reason, the, when it tries to transfer to Box, it wants me to use streaming data, and I'm like, no, I don't want to use streaming data. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And so I have to, Sometimes I have to like restart it several times, and having some technical difficulties, but hopefully in the next couple days. Yes. Yes. Any other questions uh, regarding the doctrine of the church? Anything I didn't cover or, or any, any issues there? All right. Moving right along. We're going to start what's called eschatology. Again, fancy name. Uh, it basically means doctrine of the last things. We're going to look at that in just a little bit. It's talking about God's consummation, the fulfillment of all God's promises and the, and the return of Christ. Um, and, and so today, as is, is, is Corey asked, how deep are we going to get? Today, we're just going to get a taste. We're going, to, uh, we're going to play around in the shallow end. We're going to get kind of a feel for what we're going to be talking about um, <coughs> in this unit. And, and in this unit, in a little bit here, I'm also going to, I want to ask some questions and, and write down any questions that you guys may have that as I, and I think Elias is going to help team teach some of this, that we can kind of make sure or try to address as we're covering some of these topics. We're going to, you know, as I was going over and, and kind of what I want to cover or what have covered, uh, I, I think we're covering a lot of the issues, but uh, if there's anything that you've dealt with or thought about or wrestled with that, um, you know, that, that's not in the plan that we can, we can include it that way. 
But first, before we talk about those things, let's talk about what is eschatology? What is the study of eschatology? Again, big, long word, sounds fancy, based on Greek eschatology. It, it, it comes from that Greek word eschatos, meaning last. So it, it's a fancy way of saying doctrine of the last things, right? Study of the last things. So, you know, and so it, 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 it's, 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 just a, it's just a fancy way of saying that. It's, it's a classification um, theologically to talk about the last things and that, that are still to come in the future that have been promised and described in the words of God, word of God. And, 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 and if I, I just, and I, I put down this quote from B.B. Warfield, um, because if you think about it, that all of the idea of what is to come would be mere speculation, right? If it's just about us, it's just, we would just have to take our best guess, right? And, 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 and you, in human experience, no one, no one can know the future with certainty, right? And yet as a Christian, we know that God has revealed. God has revealed much about what is to come, both in his descriptions of what is to come and in his promises of what is to come. And so that's why I, have, I like this B.B. Warfield quote. Uh, in point of fact, we cannot form any sure explanation of what is in store for us unless God has told us of it. Where no authoritative revelation is, is allowed, no express eschatology is attainable. And he's so, D.B. Warfield was pushing back against Christian liberalism, and, and he's saying, listen, if, if, if you don't have divine revelation, you have no eschatology. You, you have no, no study of things to come, because that has to only come from God's revelation. But yes? Yeah. Not, not me, but why wouldn't somebody say, that's true, and so that, that's it's more that's more of a question of revelation and, and, and what is revelation than necessarily eschatology, and so that would go back I'd say two different areas probably depending on who you're talking to. Um, for some people, it would go all the way back to the aspect that if you start with what is revelation, what is the word of God, and and how does God reveal Himself authoritatively? Probably more if you're talking with a Christian, it's probably talking more about spiritual gift things. Okay, well, that's different. That would be more of the that's aspect, what I'm right? Thinking, you know, that's well, God reveal, you know, that. Yes, you know, that's, that's more of, of, of what, what is our source of revelation, yeah. right? And we see that um, there, there's, there's really two forms that the Bible talks about. There's general revelation, right? And, and that, that, is, that, is, un, that is, is, is general. It's not specific, right? And, and so that, and there's enough, as we're going to get to eventually in, eventually in Romans 1, with God's general revelation through, through creation and through the conscience, there's enough to know that God exists and what he's like, and yet not enough to actually have the details we need of how do then I become reconciled to God? And, and, and what, are, what are the ways of God and some of these things? And that's where we, we need God's special revelation, which we see <laughs> is, is perfect and completed in the word of God. Right. And so and, 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 and so that, that's that's where we would you know, find our, our, our authoritative revelation in that way. So, yeah. So it's more of a question there than necessarily other. And, and, and so and that dividing line, I think, is more of a what is God's revelation necessarily than an, esca, an, an end times question. Me, I mean, got me was with what God has told us. That's true. Yes. That, that line of BB. Yeah. BB yeah. I'm going. Yeah, and, you know, and Warfield is is arguing for um, the the inerrancy of Scripture and for the authority the authority of Scripture, and so in shorthand, that's what he's referring to. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's true. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, 
And now when we talk about the last things, really, the scriptures teach us really two different areas. If we, if we want to talk about eschatology, there's two different areas. I'd say the more, I want to say neglected, but the one we don't think about as much with eschatology is really the idea of what is to come in the future for us personally. This is called personal eschatology, right? And the idea of thinking about what does the scripture say about death? What does the scripture say about what happens after death in, in the immediate state, right? Until, until the final judgment. And then, and then the uh, eternal punishment reward. Think about heaven and hell. So um, thinking of those topics as far as um, personal eschatology. But the scriptures also teach about the future of the entire universe, which so we're talking about the second coming of Christ, the millennium, the final judgment. That's referred to as general eschatology. That's the more focused on topic when we talk about eschatology. But really, when you think about eschatology, it really covers both. And we're, we're going to cover both there. <laughs> and so I want to pause there and say, within those two broad topics, when you're thinking of um, personal eschatology, thinking about death, what happens after death, immediate state, um, punishment reward of heaven and hell, or broader universal eschatology of second coming, millennium, final judgment, new heavens, new earth, uh, thinking through some of those things. Are there questions um, that you would hope to, to, that we would dive into as a class that, that we can um, have as, 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 you know, if, if, if I wasn't planning on hitting, that we can, can try to hit? Any questions that you have on, on those areas? Yeah. Yep, we're going to hit that for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to write it down because I know we're going to hit it. So, yeah. Yep, anything else? I'm confused. I don't like the millennium. Okay. Rain. I go on done and done. Uh-huh. No in between millennium. We're going to... We're going to talk about the millennium. So, yes. So, we'll talk about millennium. We're going to talk about the rapture. Uh, we're going to talk about some different interpretive things on, on that. We're going to also talk about some of the difficulties um, in, in looking at... at um, uh, prophetic aspects of how, where do you see the millennium versus new, new, new creation uh, in the Old Testament as well. I'm looking at some, some issues there. Um, yeah, we're going to look at those for sure. That's why I, I'll write those. I'll write down things. If, if you're going to say something that is different, I'll write it down. Otherwise, I'm like, all right, I know we're going to already have that in the plan. So any other things, whether personal eschatology um, or, or, or universal or general eschatology, things that you were hoping that uh, or questions you'd have that we'd cover in class. Yeah. <clears throat> I know that a lot of people believe that you go somewhere else before you go straight to heaven. Yes. Um, I'd like to know how to explain that to people. Yes. Um, yeah, so I want to make sure, and we're going to talk, and, and Elias and I, he's going to probably help me do some teaching. We're going to figure out to divide it up, but I think one of the things that would be good to talk about is is, is, is tends, the, general, I, the general classification is not a biblical term, but the general classification is called immediate, the immediate state. Like what because um, if we think about heaven, what, it, huh? Inter- intermediate, sorry, intermediate state. Um, it, I wrote that down, intermediate, I just didn't. And so intermediate state and the idea of, well, when we think of heaven, when the Bible describes heaven, the Bible is, heaven's actually the new heaven's new earth, right? And the new heaven's new earth isn't here yet. And so what does that look like and how does that work? And there are um, extra biblical, right? So where does the idea of purgatory come from and some of these other ideas? Um, and so, we'll, huh? Yes, yep, yep. So we know it's paradise, but, but but we'll look at that. We're going to look at that though. But we're going to yes yeah, yes. Yeah, because they say there's, you're you're going to be with me in paradise. Yes. But then it also says that new ha- the new heavens. Yes. Are not so we're gonna, we're going to yes we're going to we're going to so, hit that yes. Other questions. Thanks for it. <laughs> Other questions. Anything else? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, actually, we're going to even, we're going to touch on that a little bit today, even. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I should. That'd be good to, to talk about, though. What was it? Rewards. Oh, or crown. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rewards. Crown. I think so, yeah, but if not, then I'll, 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 I'll yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who gets to sit next to Jesus? Which <laughs> 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 <Just> one of us? <laughs> other, other questions? All right, well, if you think of anything as we're going through, let, let me know, all right? Um, all right, so as I said, we're just going to play around the shallow end of eschatology this morning. Um, and and I, I really want to look at, at a couple things. I wanted to look at what it is, what, where we're going, what are the, some of the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, but what I really wanted to do this morning is set, set the groundwork on a couple issues. And the first one is how. How should we study eschatology? And... and and what I want to really emphasize and what, what I've tried to practice, and, and I'm not saying I practice it personal, pers- uh, perfectly, but what I've tried to and what I would like to try to, to do as we apply this together is, is, really in, 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 um, is this idea that the key to the study of eschatology is humility. Mm. Humility. I, I think that um, I, personally I would say beyond any other area of doctrine, there is a great amount of humility here, and, and, and because we are so, more than any else, we're so dependent on what God has revealed, and, and the nature of how God has revealed the things that are to come, that it is cause for great humility. Now, let's talk about what humility is, right? How, how, would, we, how would we define humility? Okay, state of humbleness. What's humbleness? Yeah. Uh, not being excessively prideful. Okay. Prideful. Okay, so we see that the, the, the scriptures would, would put antithetically pride and humility. Yeah. Right? Pride and humility. Okay. Total dependence on God. Yeah, okay. So that there is a, and I think that you look at James and First Peter, that there's a connection in there, that you humble yourself before God, that there's a dependence aspect there. So it's, it's, there's, a, there's a God-centeredness, we could say, a God-centeredness to, to humility. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite of narcissistic. Yeah, I, I, and I would say humility. There's there's two ways that humility would would manif- or not me or that pride would manifest itself. One is narcissism, right? And I would say the other is self pity, right? One is saying I'm more than I am. And the other one is saying I deserve to be more than I am. But either way, the focus is on self, right? The focus is on self. And we see that in Scripture, and, and you pointed out, and, and, you know, James and First Peter, and actually throughout Scripture, we see that humility is, is God-focused, the exaltation of God, the glorification of God. It's not about me, it's about God, right? And, and then I think that overflowing from that, you see Philippians 2 in the example of humility, that when you are God-focused, as Christ set the example, that that, that focus is, is on God overflows to a care and concern for 
others, right? A focus on God that overflows to a care for others. That, that is, I think that's that biblical picture of, of um, that's, that, that's that biblical picture of humility, right? So, is, yeah. Is that what, Hmm. It shifted mm-hmm. from God to man. To man. Yeah. And we've been wanting to be our own gods ever since. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. AA says it pretty clearly on page 62. Self-centeredness is the root of self Yeah. Yeah. And that just kind of I, I think self-centeredness is a synonym when you say to pride, and the right? And that is God-focused. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how, how, would, how would this apply to eschatology, right? The, Humility is, is practical theology, and eschatology is this core doctrine. How, how do those apply? And I think they really do go together. Oh, Bob, yeah. Um, this seems the biggest problem is the attitude that I have the correct answer. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how many Christian television shows I have produced. It's like, mm-hmm. well, here's a new truth I'm going to give you. I was there when we discovered X. Yeah. And it's always something after <coughs> Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's 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 getting to the heart of where I'm going here, right? Is it is our study really a theology in general? But I find that it tends to manifest itself here in this area of is the focus on self, right? Is is do we want our theology to reflect in a way more than God has revealed? And so I am banking on that, that my confidence is in that, and, and really that it becomes for our glory because that's my position, right? And, and, and there's, there is a, a pride that comes of, that, well, we're going to look at it, of, 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 to a point of, of, of wanting to have or wanting to claim or wanting to understand or wanting to have solid more than God has made clear in his word. The other one is that there's a, also in this aspect on a focus... Um, I think the other aspect of that we're going to see in a little bit too. The other focus of that is some people that would say, um, "Well, it doesn't matter. You know, oh, everyone disagrees, and I because I'm the, the neutral person, I don't have a position at all." I, I think that's also very prideful, right? Ah, you guys get in the weeds. Look at me. I'm better, right? There's, there's all kinds of pride that can manifest itself from that. But the, I think the other pride that comes through this is what, that there is a focus on self and not others. Because when we're, if you're not focused on God, then eschatology becomes. A, a means of division in the church, which is actually the opposite of what God intended eschatology to be. We're going to look at it a little bit later too, but just, just turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you, if you think about eschatological passages that are key to our understanding um, of the things to come, 1 Thessalonians, a particular 1 Thessalonians 4, is a key passage. Let me put it this way. If you don't have 1 Thessalonians 4, we would have no idea. Well, we would have almost no idea of the rapture, and we would not call it the rapture. So without this passage, we would not have the word rapture, and we would very, maybe we could see it, but man, it would, it would, if God had not revealed this passage, then, then some of the other passages, we would not see the rapture quite as clearly as, 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 um, as we think we do. This, this passage is so key. And we're going to look at it. I don't want to look at the whole thing now, but if you start in verse 13, it talks about the coming of the Lord. It talks about being caught up with the Lord, <coughs> which mm, I'm sorry. This is gross, but I have to do it. All right. Um, but um, which is that caught up in Latin is translated rapture. But look at the purpose. 
in verse 18. Therefore, in light of all that's said here about the end times, what's the inference? What should be done with this? Therefore, what in 18? Comfort, comfort, encourage one another with these words. So when when our eschatology stops becoming a means of comfort and encouragement and edification and starts becoming a means of divisiveness, we may have the right theology, but we have the wrong purpose. We do not share God's purpose for how we're using our theology. And I'll tell you what, if you're not doing theology with God's purpose, you have the wrong theology. It doesn't matter if your answers are right, right? Because you are, you are actually working despite what God, and, and, and against what God's purpose is, why he revealed that to us in the first place. It's true of anything. Yes, it is true. I think that's very. Yes. I would say um, that 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 within, and I guess I, I, I and, and we'll go in a little bit, but I think with eschatology especially because it, 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 and I can't remember. There's I don't think I put the quote in because it builds on the assumptions of we have a shared understanding of the gospel and a shared understanding of Christ and shared understanding of that, that really what we're doing is that unlike certain things, we're having to say, this does divide, um, this divides true and false the gospel, true and false faith. Or this divides, even you could say ecclesiology, right? Of we agree that we're, we're brothers in Christ, but we really can't operate together, right? This one is built on top of those other ones in such a way that, 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 such a, that it, 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 there's such a mutual understanding that this, this is meant not really to... to, to it, it's pure purpose is to encourage. It's pure, the, practical, the practical application of eschatology is hope, is comfort, is encouragement. And, and so, whereas other things, there, there are so many other ways it plays out. I just, it, it goes against the very nature. So I would be right that, that theology in, in general is meant to be God-focused and others-focused so that, that it, it should not... Um, the, the goal would not be divisive. I think there's a particular nature es- eschatology that, yeah. That sort of reflects then what the community should do. That's the iron sharpening iron, right? Yeah. That's the place where we still have to go, okay, you're not as honed. Yes, yes. So let's, you know, so as yes. you grow in that depth of, yes. of Jesus, yeah. the same thing internally yeah. And we're going to look through and we're going to say, listen, there are things that, that, that are more faithful to Scripture that, that our church would see and less faithful to Scripture. But can we do that? I, I think it... it more than I, I'd say, and that's why I agree that's in every subject, but I think even more than other subjects of, and also because of the nature that the God, this is an area of things that is yet to become, is yet to come, and things that God, by his, 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 his will and his purpose, has not revealed as clearly as other things that, there, that we need to have humility with that. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sneaky and so easy, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I wake up every day, honestly, and the first thing I think about is me. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting Can I take that? Can I use that for a sermon sometime? Well, I think that's a good way. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, I have to physically tell myself every morning that today is not about me. Otherwise, yeah. I will make it about me. Because mm-hmm. it's my day. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like a battle. It yeah. It doesn't go away. Yeah, Elias. And part of that is 
Um, I lost it. Um, let me let me let me say the other thought. Revelation seven mm -hmm. talks about how we're still all different. Mm -hmm. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, peoples, and languages, standing before the throne mm -hmm. and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying and they're singing to God. And it's not that it's saying, you know, Presbyterians and mm -hmm. you know Baptists and blah blah blah, we're all there, but it's different people who are mm -hmm. who still are different people. Mm -hmm. We're not all just one conglomerate. Yeah. You know, same everything. Yeah. And that's part of the humility is we are all being joined together. Yeah. We're all worshiping and we're still ourselves. Yeah. But we're all worshiping together. Yeah. And we have a correct eschatology at that point yeah. in time and a correct ecclesiology yeah. at that point in time, et cetera. But we're still ourselves. Yeah, and there, there's also a recognition, too, of, of the differences. I mean, there's, there's a good difference and also that there's an understandable difference when, you know, the, the, and, and, the, and we talked about this I don't know how many years ago, but the, 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 the term is noetic effect, the mental effect of the fall, that one of the things the fall does is that none of us thinks quite logically and rightly. We would think we do. Actually, Roman Catholic doctrine would say, um, at least in the medieval ages, would say that the one part of us that's not affected by sin is our logic. That's a, um, um, what was his, um, he, the principles, the princi who, who did the principles of um, existence of God, um, Aquinas, I believe. I believe Aquinas was talking in, in, in really Catholic theology, the idea of that our logic and our reasoning has not been affected by the fall, so we can be able to reason. It is possible to reason out and figure these things, but, but we understand from Scripture that all of us is affected by the fall. All of us has been parts of being corrupted, so none of us think quite rightly as well, and, and including we have to have that understanding that, that it's not that everyone except me has been affected in that way. And so that even though with, the, with God's revelation, I still am not going to see things as, as clearly and that is, is um, you know, and, and so there's going to be differences on that level as well. well you, can, you can know that by from when you first became a Christian and things that you That's believed true. then. Yeah. This is the way it is. Yeah. And now, yeah. years later, you're going, oh, yeah. no, that was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also in the sense that also to be able to have, to be gracious in the sense of, and, and we're going to get, to, and I, I'm jumping ahead, but the aspect of the, that God has by his own sovereign will made things not quite as clear as honestly as I'd like them to be and not as clear as other, other areas of scripture so yeah. that, that we, we have to be careful when we, we, we critique, critique brothers and sisters in Christ, on, I think, on this issue more than, more than others. Yeah, so. I pray for clarity all the time, but often I, what God, I think, wants is faith. Mm, at times, yeah. Yeah, yeah Martha? Yeah, well, actually, I'd say that they're looking for a bunch of things that were different, I think, if you look in context. But I do think, I, I think more in terms of Paul's language. Paul talks about this, this aspect of where there was mystery in that. That God yeah. ma made it clearly revealed. When you look back and you see it, you go, yes, God made that clear. 
And yet Paul says there was a mystery aspect to that where that, that was really still to be revealed. And I think that even, even in, in apocalyptic language and how John uses even apocalyptic language, could John have, dis, could John have written, written Revelation as Paul has written Romans? Did he have the physical ability? Yes. And yet that's by God's will and God's revelation, God's perfect plan, that there is a metaphorical, in a way, veil over, or, over certain things. And, and we need to, to be humble with that and going, there's probably some things that we, when God has it all done, going, oh, I see that. I didn't, I didn't quite see that before, but I see it now. And so, yeah. 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 All right, I want to I want to keep moving along if that's all right. Uh, here's what because here's here's how I want to apply it here. I think there's two areas we want to see humility play out. First, I think we need to humbly recognize what God has clearly revealed. We, we don't want to deny, and I'm not sure this is where maybe where you were going. We don't de- want to deny that God has clearly revealed certain things, and 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 and, and, and there is a pridefulness to say. Oh, you just can't understand. And so I, my, my position is that, that I, I just, it just doesn't matter. No, God has revealed certain things and he's revealed and, and we need to humbly receive those as God's revelation, right? We need to humbly receive those as God's revelation. So, so God has made certain truths very clear in his word. Truths about heaven and hell. There are certain things about heaven and hell that are not clear, in certain things, natures and how does it work and, and, and certain questions we may have. But the fact of that there is a heaven and that there is a hell, that they are eternal and, and, and that it is, it is in, that, that is a, 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 a just judgment that, that we all deserve hell, but as, you know, purely by God's grace that the heaven be available to the work of Jesus Christ, that, that is very clear in scripture. And so we want to we wanna make sure that we are saying yes that it's not all nebulous, that we are humbly receiving what God has made clear. The return of Christ. The return of Christ that is imminent. The return of Christ that is visible. The, the return of Christ that is with power. Right? The, 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 the truth of the, the final judgment. There are certain things that we want to say that we are, that, we, are, that God has made certain things, has revealed these things, and we need to humbly receive them as God's revelation that there is no excuses for downgrading such revelation to, we would say, other concerns, right? To say, well, that just doesn't work logically for me. You know, the idea of, of a, a eternal punishment in hell with the idea of a perfectly loving God doesn't work logically, so we're going to throw it out. That, that's my pride saying, I know better than what God has revealed, right? It's saying, here's what God has said, but I know God better than God knows God. That's what it, I mean, that, I don't even know the word for that. I mean, arrogance doesn't even come close to that, right? I know God's character better than God knows himself. And God couldn't send people to hell. The same God who showed us that he is loving is the same God who declared that he is just and that is the just punishment for our sin, right? Um, so, so whether our, from our, our own presuppositions or, or whatever it is that, that there's these, that we would not disregard those. We would not disregard what God has already revealed. Um, quote from Dale Moody. He said, all theology and Christianity are ultimately eschatology. It is only when man is preoccupied with penultimate concerns that last things appear as an appendix left over from the major concerns of the present life. The hidden future 
and and here's in the present relation to God as he has made his person and purpose known in Christ. So to ignore eschatology, to ignore what God has revealed is pride. So, so humility is not just denying everything and saying, we just don't know. It is receiving what God has made clear. Is everyone, everyone clear on that point? But there's a second half of that. Um, Oh, sorry. And also re- re- receiving that, that God has, has given this for our edification, right? And receiving this, that God says, I have given this to you, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, for your encouragement, for your comfort. And God's saying, I want to comfort you with these things. And if we say, oh, God, I don't want to know about those things. We are, we are denying God of his good purpose of what he wants to do in our life through these things. Um, same with Revelation. And we're, not, we're doing such an overview today. Let's turn a couple of these. So let's turn there as well. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. Just look at the introduction to Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things which must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. So what, what's the purpose? What, what, why is John saying that he, he brought this testimony? It's the blessing of the church. That Revelation is not a mental theological document to be just debated. The, the, the purpose of revelation is to be a blessing of the church, to be read, to be studied and heard. And we, we tend to ignore the last one, right? Who read this, who hear this, and who heed, keep this, right? The, the aspect of it, that, that there is a, um, a knowledge that results in sanctifying action. If we talk about eschatology, we talk about the last things, and it doesn't, as First Peter would say, create holiness in our lives. I think one of the rest is from Revelation, create perseverance in our lives. You're not doing eschatology right. That, 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 this, this, that, that God meant to equip the church for holiness, for perseverance, for hope, and for encouragement through these doctrines. Right? And, and, and so humility recognizes that we need these. And, 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 and we need these that, that, that God has given. So, An yeah. example of Isaiah, Isaiah 9 2, when, when the prophet Isaiah just announced the future Messiah and mm-hmm. Savior that's coming, even yeah. though it would be 400 years, yeah. even though it would look a little different. Yeah. But just the announcement of it, it says it brought uh, light into the darkness of people's lives. Yeah. It gave them hope. Yeah. Just that future announcement. Yeah. 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 You, and you see the prophets often tie the, the hope of, of the Messiah, which, yeah. which is connected also with these promises we still see of, of, of the second advent still. Yeah. He, t- he ties those into not only just hope today, but, but, but living in light of the covenant, living in light of uh, both of, of your, your love for God and your love for others today is tied into that, that, that that's where our, our hope is for the future. Yeah, you see that throughout the prophets. Yeah. 
So everyone, everyone tracking with me so far? So humility is not just saying, yeah, we just got a lot of disagreements. And No, it's, it, humility is saying God has revealed things and it's revealed it for my good and we need to know and cherish and hold on to those things. But there's another side of humility, especially when we think of eschatology here, and this is what I've been hinting at, is that God, we, hum, we need to humbly recognize what God has not revealed as clearly in his word. Can we, can we all agree that not everything in God's word has been revealed with the same clarity? Yes. And humility recognizes that, and humility would say, I'm going to treat the doctrines differently depending on what God has revealed about those and the clarity God has given me. As I've always said, where God is clear, I want to be able to jump up and down and know it's never going to break. Right? I can jump up and down on it. <laughs> Except my phone will break. Don't jump up and down on that. Right. So I, I, I jump up and down and I know it's not giving way. Right? And there are other things that are a little shaky. And I'm not going to jump up and down on the table because that's just not smart. Right? My two-year-old and five-year-old would love to do it. And that's why I said, don't do that. That's not as secure as you think it is when you're jumping up there. Which is why we've been to the emergency room a couple times for head injuries. And, and there you go. But and it's the same thing with, with God's word, right? That when God has revealed it clearly, we, we need to jump up and down and we need to say, we will fight tooth and nail because this is what God has revealed. But they're, they're, we, need, we're, we're, we need to re- be honest, humbly honest to say there are certain things that God has not revealed with the same clarity. And we're not going to act and pretend like it wasn't the case because of some prideful thing of having to have everything right. So, so the, the danger of eschatology, and I think particularly because of the nature of where God has chosen to, to withhold how certain pieces fit together is that we don't have the humility to acknowledge where our theology is trying to put the puzzle pieces together, right? We have, I I always use the analogy of the puzzle, that the different scriptures we have are the puzzle pieces, and theology is saying, how do the puzzle pieces fit together? And there are certain times where we think we've got the right puzzle piece in the right connection, only to later figure out we don't have it right. And, And we need to not say, well, you know, the, the, my connection is what is the word of God. No, no. The puzzle pieces are the word of God. The connection is my trying to understand that with my own, our own human logic and church history and tradition and all these things, which we want to use. But those are not what's infallible. It's the word of God that's infallible. Does that, that make sense, the distinction there? Let me give you a couple examples as we think about eschatology. And, and, and Susan brought this up earlier. <clears throat> when we talk about heaven, right, the broad term, but generally when we talk about heaven, vernacular, modern Christian vernacular, and I say heaven, what am I talking about? Go with God. I mean, be with God. Mm-hmm. Eternity. Eternity with God, the reward of the righteous, eternity with God, right? Um, exactly. And, 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 and most of what is pictured in the New Testament, most of even what we're talking about in that definition, as I said before, is talking about after the second coming and after the final judgment, our hope for heaven is this picture of this new heavens and new earth, right? And, and even most of the New Testament is talking about, when it talks, looks towards that, is looking towards this hope of a final state of this new heavens, new earth. But as, as we talked about earlier, just in, the, in, the, in, in Susan's question, that believers, when they die today, don't go to the new heavens, new earth. That's very clear. 
that is to come. There is an intermediate state, which there are certain things that are clear, that it's paradise. It's not soul sleep. It's not purgatory. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. To be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord, right? So we want to we anchor what is clear, but there are some real disagreements on, wait a minute, in the new heavens, new earth, I know that I have my resurrected body, body and spirit. God created us body and spirit. I'm body and spirit. What happens in the intermediate state? Because guess what? You don't have your resurrected body yet. Is it just spirit? But God created us body and spirit. That to be human is to be body and spirit. And actually, if you start thinking about those ideas, the idea of a spirit without a body is a pagan Gnostic thinking that came that the early church would fight against the idea that you that that what makes me me is not physical. That's Gnosticism. That's, that's an early heresy in the church. So to say that I'm some spiritual existence without a physical form, Genesis would say, then you're not human. To be human is to be body and spirit. So, so what do you do with that? And how do you think? See, what we're doing is we're taking several pieces of theology and saying, how do we put them together? And we should say, there's going to be some different answers. And we need to have some humility of how we're going to put those together. <laughs> yes, there's, there's an exist. Yes. Yeah, but here's the thing. I don't, and I could be, and I could be wrong, but I, I never see the new, I, I, I just, and I, I could be wrong. I just, I, I can't think of where the New Testament would call the present intermediate state heaven. Yeah, but we would call it because it's a vernacular. But there's a, you, what I'm saying is humility, and I'm not, I don't want to solve this right now. We're going to get into it. Uh, I might just, I might make a lie. do that one. So, but, um, <laughs> but, but here's the thing is that there are things that God has made clear. And there's some other questions that we have that's going, ah, you know what? We're gonna, and, and not even just shot in the dark, but we're going to try to put some other scriptures and some other principles and other things God has revealed, and we're going to try to put those pieces, puzzle pieces together. But if the way I've put the puzzle pieces together is a little bit different than how Ron has put the puzzle pieces together, but we're both using the same scriptures and saying we trust in these scriptures, we need to have a lot of humility with one another and a lot of grace with one another and a lot of charity with one another. Yeah, you're, 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 you're skipping ahead of me, Craig. Pastor, also, uh, uh, you know, Genesis says we were made similar to, uh, to God, mm-hmm. uh, Son, and uh, Spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, also, we're made in the image uh, of, we're made with the spirit, the heart, mm-hmm. we're made with a soul, mm-hmm. and then a body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we've gone over that before. I, I see that you know the Bible seems to use those interchangeably at the same time as well. But we'll 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 move along there. Yes, Bob. Uh, yeah. The scripture references is taking me. I think it is in First Corinthians where Paul is addressing mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. He says, "Be careful. Don't add to scripture what isn't there." Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't want to add, but we also want to say, how do we faithfully put together? But we want to have charity. Now, let me, let me give you another one. If, you ha- if you're not worked up yet and you're not inspired to come back yet, yes. What did you call it when they, when they believe that spirit is? Gnosticism. Gnosticism. G, it starts with a G, actually. G-N-O-S-T. All right. I, I'm going to put a pin in this. Okay. I, I, want, I just want to stir the waters up a little bit more. Let, let's, get you, let's get you even more riled up to come back to Sunday school. The word Antichrist occurs five times in the New Testament. Say what again? The word Antichrist occurs five times in the New Testament what? in only two different books. Anyone want to take a guess where? Revelation. 
First John. In Revelation. Not in Revelation. No. First and second John. That's it. The word Antichrist occurs twice, in the, or five times in the New Testament, only two different books. First and second John. If you do a Google search, not Google search, but uh, uh, like a uh, Bible gateway search, a new, uh, blue letter Bible search on the word Antichrist, and you look at the context, almost all, all of the context of that word antichrist always means of antichrists who are already here, false teachers. So if we ask the Bible, who, are the, who is the antichrist? False teachers are the antichrists. There's one reference, one, one reference of the antichrist who is to come. He says, you've heard that antichrist is coming. Many antichrists are already here. So John's saying, the Antichrist is coming. That's not what's important. The Antichrist is already here. That's what I'm going to talk to you about. So, wait a minute. So you have one instance of Antichrist that's not in Revelation. Uh, the Antichrist, not in Revelation. So how do you reconcile John's discussion of Antichrist and false teacher? Antichrist are already here. Then you have First Thessalonians. Tens people say, this is the Antichrist. Well, it doesn't use the word Antichrist. It's the man of lawlessness. Well, we have to start thinking about what is, what is, how, is, how does that work together? And then we look at Revelation. What's the term that, that we would use for the, that John would use for the Antichrist in Revelation? The, the what? Metaphor of the, the beast. So, so what we're trying to do is we're saying, how do we put these scriptures together? How do you put 1 John and 1 Thessalonians and Revelation, which were all written for some different purposes, and try to put them into one single theology? Humbly. Humbly. <laughs> Right? And, and, and especially in the context First John gives us of when we talk about Antichrist, we should be able to be talking about, you know, that in every generation of, of, of Christians that there are Antichrists already here. All right. If you're still not worked up, let me give you one more and then we'll, we'll, we'll break here. Rapture. <laughs> rapture. How many times is the actual English word rapture used in your Bible? Zero. Zero. There, now, it's not saying it's not in the Bible, that, that, I, that verb catching up in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 is translated into Latin for rapture. But how many times is the rapture in the New Testament, is in, in Revelation? Clearly in Revelation. Zero. So you are trying to put a doctrine from 1 Thessalonians into Re- Revelation where John did not think it important enough to mention. Not that it's not there. I think it is there. I think there are good arguments as you look at that. But we need to be humble. We need to be humble as we try to put those things together. So we need to handle disagreements among Christians with charity. And also what I'm going to try to do, especially in this area, is is try to make, try to portray other people's arguments better than they can themselves. That's what we really should do, right? So that someone hears our argument of, of their position and going, yeah, that's what I would say. And, and we can disagree with that still, but at least we've tried to understand them. You know what? Our church holds to a dispensational view of the end times, but no, we would, we would hate for someone to caricature that. We would hate for someone to say, oh man, OEFC, they try to re- read everything literally. They think there's going to literally be a walking beast walking around. And they think there's literally going to be beings with eyes all over their body. They take it so literally, they don't know how to interpret metaphor. We would never want someone to characterize us that way, right? We, we don't want us to caricature that. that, that you know, OFC, they're, they're so focused on the rapture, they just live on rooftops, they don't even care about people. <laughs> I, I've, I've heard it. But, but 
But we, but we would say, that's not true. That's not true of us. Well, we wouldn't want to do the same thing to other positions on this as well, of, of, of genuine Christian brothers and sisters. It's okay to disagree. We want to, we want to wrestle with these things, but we want to show charity. And so we want to and show humility. And then so the last thing, why do we want to study eschatology? It, it, is the, it is the consummation of the entire biblical storyline, right? If you think of the biblical storyline, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, that God created it all perfect, Sin marred his creation. So God brought a rescue plan through the promise and coming of the Messiah to bring this already kingdom, but it's already fulfilled in the church, but not yet fulfilled in the creation. We still live in a broken world, but one day God will make all things right. And so the, the promise, all of the promise and hopes of the Bible, the promise of final justice and final perfection, the promise of final reconciliation of what is broken, the, the, the promise of, 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 of heaven and the new heavens and the new Eden, new heavens, new earth, that is our hope. The eschatology is not about end time debates. It's about the hope of every Christian. And, and that's where we would want to be. And so, um, all right, I've gone over my time. Hopefully I've whetted your appetite as we would dive into this a little bit more in, in the coming weeks. And so let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. And we thank you that you know what we need to be encouraged. You know what we need to, to, to bring hope. And we thank you you've provided that. And we pray, Lord, that, that, that you would help us to handle these things with humility. Lord, that you would receive the glory and that we would receive the hope and encouragement. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.